I'm going to go with a dark horse here. The Chicago Bears at three and six. Oh, wow. The way Justin Fields has played this year, they could go on a run. And with the 49ers in the playoffs at four and four right now, they're only a game out of the playoffs. Welcome back to Knowledge Brew Supreme, the show that percolates your creativity. And it is I, your host, Dr. John Chansey, back and better than ever. But first, here is an ad from new show sponsor, Sleeves Sold Separately. Greetings. This is Dr. John Chansey, host of Knowledge Brew Supreme. And I'm here to tell you about one of my favorite products in the fitness game, our new show sponsor, Sleeves Sold Separately. Sleeves Sold Separately is a brand of athleisure clothing for men who train hard and also want to look good while doing so. The clothes that these wonderful folks make are an absolute game changer. Their products are designed and manufactured in the United States, out in Los Angeles, and they are shipped directly to your home. Sleeve Sold Separately offers a wide variety of athleisure clothing, such as the Wife Lover tank top, their classic sleeveless hoodie, their lunge man shorts that come in both four and six inch seams, and so much more. My personal favorite from Sleeve Sold Separately is their take on the classic jogger bottoms, except theirs is called the Sprinter. Sprinters come in several colors. And even before they were a show sponsor of Knowledge Brew Supreme, I bought multiple pairs in black. I've got a gray pair, a teal pair of the Sprinters, and I wear these daily. Uh, so please check them out. Visit their website at sleevesoldseparately.com. My listeners of Knowledge Brew Supreme can get 15% off your order from Sleeve Sold Separately using the promo code KNOWLEDGE15. That's all one word, KNOWLEDGE15. So please check out Sleeve Sold Separately, use the promo code, and thank me later. Take care. Bye. For today's episode of Knowledge Brew Supreme, I want to break down the NFL season roughly at the halfway point. At the time of this recording, the NFL is about to begin week 10. Uh, teams at this point have either played eight or nine games. Uh, of course, last night, the Panthers and Falcons both played. The Panthers won. Um, so what? why I love this time of the year, this kind of halfway point is, you know, this really is the time of the year when some would say that the football season really gets started. Once the November calendar flips over, November football is what separates contenders from pretenders. Uh, and as the great Steve Sable from NFL Films once said, the autumn wind is a pirate. And so I think we're about to find out who's ready to set sail to victory. Um, so to talk about my favorite sport, I have to bring in the big guns, an expert on all things gridiron. My guest for today's show is the one and only Jack Cavanaugh, making his third appearance on Knowledge Brew Supreme. 
Jack is really close to getting his five timers jacket. I think he's like, he's the betting favorite to be the first five timer on this show. Uh, for those who don't remember, Jack is the host of a nightly uh, fantasy football-based podcast or podcast show called Player Profiler Today. He's also part of the Important Nonsense Network, as well as the Believe in Lions podcast with Believe Podcast Network. Finally, Jack is also famous for his blow, his bow ties, pit vipers, and resemblance to Tom Selleck, the mustache and all. So with that said, welcome back to the show, Jack. How are you doing? How are things going in Canada? Well, I am doing fantastic. Always a pleasure to be back on here chatting with you. Hoping that before you before or when you reach that 100 episode mark, I will officially be 5% of those episodes getting my five-timer jacket. As for Canada, it was good until today. Now it's kind of rainy and gross. Daylight savings suck. We're getting ready for winter, but the week before this was great. Yeah, same in Oklahoma. You know, it was great. Had some great rugby weather last week. And all of a sudden we've got, you know, we've got lots of wind. Uh, temperatures drop. It's cold. But guess what? It feels like football season. All the more reason to talk about uh, what's going on in the NFL. So very happy to have you back. And very thrilled to just, you know, like you said, have your presence potentially in 5% of the shows and in growing, you know, there's just so many reasons to bring you back, uh, to bring you back and talk about, talk about all things football. So I want to start off with, we had you on the show earlier uh, this summer talking about the NFL season before it started. Now we have, you know, nine games roughly for most teams uh, worth of data to kind of pick through. I want to start off by revisiting some predictions that were made uh, that you made on this show during the preseason podcast. So I'm curious, are you still sticking with your pick, your Super Bowl pick of the Bengals versus the Eagles? Like right now, that Eagles pick feels very good. Like it feels very like it's, you know, could really happen. But the Bengals, I don't know. They're, you know, one week they're up, one week they're down. I'm just curious. How are you feeling about that pick? Eagles, I feel great about. Eagles are going to the NFC Championship game. They're going to take on the Minnesota Vikings more than likely. And depending on if Odell signs with Minnesota or maybe signs with Dallas, and that's how they get to the NFC Championship. Regardless, Eagles will be there in the NFC Championship. I believe they will win and head to the Super Bowl. Bengals are going to be a wild card team, and that makes life a lot tougher. The Ravens are going to win the division. The Bengals are going to sneak in as a wild card. Really... In the AFC right now, it feels like this really the only major Super Bowl contenders are Kansas City and Buffalo. Baltimore kind of a dark horse, but outside of that, do you think the, the it's the Jets, it's the Dolphins, it's the all teams that need something special to come together sure. to make it to the Super Bowl, whereas Kansas City and Buffalo, they're kind of there as long as Josh Allen comes back soon. Well, that was my sort of my follow up question. Are you are you concerned about Josh Allen long term? Is this something the Bills fans should be worried about beyond this week? It does not sound as though it's going to be a long term issue. I don't think he's going to play on Sunday because this is a functional issue. This is not a pain tolerance issue. Josh Allen needs to actually be able to grip a football and throw a football, something that the ulnar collateral ligament injury inhibits. But sure. it doesn't sound that he is expected to miss two games if he even misses one. There is still the chance that he plays on Sunday. 
Okay. And that'll be a, you know, we're going to talk about that game a little later on because I want to specifically talk about the team the Bills are playing, Minnesota, but we'll hold off on that for now. Uh, what I'm curious now about is, in your opinion, you know, so far this season, uh, which team has been the biggest surprise to you and why is it my Seattle Seahawks? Or actually, second place might be anywhere, you know, New York football, the Jets or Giants. But tell me, who's your surprise team? Oh, it's got to be the Seahawks. No one. You cannot find anyone out there that told you, told us, told the media. No one was saying that Geno Smith was an MVP candidate. And he's he's in that next tier. But he is playing MVP level football. While it's obviously not going to end up with him, it, dark horse chance it does. He's already locked down the comeback player of the year, though. And that's why. And I don't know if you heard about wristband gate earlier this week, but <laughs> Russell Wilson apparently refused to wear a wristband on his arm. And Pete says that has streamlined communication. And, and he actually listens and trusts the offensive coordinator. Russ quipped back, oh, won a lot of games without one on the wrist. So <laughs> this is this feud is not over. But thanks to Geno Smith, thanks to John Schneider and his great draft class. Yes. The Seahawks are back yeah and you realistic i'm glad you brought up the you i'm glad you brought up the draft class because you could be talking about not only geno smith i know he's probably probably not mvp likely to win it but definitely in the conversation uh comeback player of the year definitely as you said it feels like he has that locked up kenneth walker is starting to run away with the rookie of the year offensive side of the you know things and on the defense i mean my gosh they are just loaded with so much talent from this draft you have two rookie tackles who are playing meaningful like snaps and looking good i mean i you know this feels like the draft almost like when they initially got russell wilson and they got richard sherman all those cornerstone pieces and like, like you said also nobody was calling this even here on our preseason pod that we did together i said hey the seahawks will probably beat denver which i was right about i'll, I'll you were that. but i did not think they were going to be good i thought hey if they go one in 15 or one in 16 great but they are doing far better than that so i i am i am very thrilled uh, with what they're doing. And I honestly think they're about to play uh, the Buccaneers in Munich and they're dogs. And I, I just don't understand why I have no idea why the Bucks are so sorry this year and the Seahawks are playing great. I don't know. I'm hoping Vegas is wrong on that one. They've, they've been dogs to the Cardinals twice. Now they've been their dogs to Tampa. They were dogs to the Jaguars. Vegas hates Seattle. And I don't <laughs> understand why, because what they're playing is or how they're playing, how they're winning is actually sustainable. Yes. Yes. Yeah. My only concern is, you know, running into San Francisco again when they have to play them again. Uh, maybe it comes down to that game to who wins the division. And that worries me a little bit. But I think this team could easily win 10, maybe 11 games, get into the playoffs. And who knows? Once oh, yeah. you know, who knows? Who knows? Oh, yeah. So I want to talk about another team that I think is not getting enough hype or not getting enough love. And maybe they, I think they should be. And it's the Minnesota Vikings right now. They're seven and one. They're running away with the NFC North. And I'm curious from your opinion, you know, you're closer to Minnesota than I am. So maybe you got a better pulse on this. Why is it Minnesota being talked about in the same conversation as say Philadelphia, Buffalo, Kansas City. I mean, they're going to play Buffalo this weekend, so maybe that conversation changes. Obviously, if Josh Allen misses that game, then, you know, if Minnesota wins, maybe we don't, you know, give him a whole lot of credit, but just curious, why do you think we're not talking enough about the Minnesota Vikings? 
two main reasons. Number one being it is Minnesota. Unfortunately, it is a smaller market. Sure. Nothing that the team can do to change that. Nothing to maybe it, it's not when if Miami is good, people are excited about Miami. They're talking about Miami because people like Miami, the city. Same with the Jets and the Giants in New York. But it's also because they've beat three backup quarterbacks. Now, it might be their fourth if they face Case Keenum. So people are not giving them the full credit that, well, you know, these are some close games that they've played in. And, you know, they barely won these games. But with Mike Zimmer, they always lost those games. So I disagree with the lack of respect that the Minnesota Vikings are getting, especially after trading for TJ Hawkinson, he comes in and instantly he doesn't even have a week of practice, nine targets, 70 yards. And there is still the chance that Odell Beckham does sign with the Minnesota Vikings to become that Ooh. wide receiver three Ooh. reunite with Kevin O'Connell for a Super Bowl run. Anyone? Ooh, that is scary. You're telling me you've got Justin Jefferson, Dalvin cook, Adam Thielen, when you know when he's healthy in there, you could have Hawkinson and Odell Beckham, and oh my gosh, I mean then it could be just I mean a bloodbath in the NFC Championship between the Eagles uh, and the Vikings potentially, or my Seahawks. Hopefully, will knock one of them off along the way. I hope. I don't know, but that still sounds tasty either way. So let's stay in the NFC North and talk about a team that you are very familiar with, and that is the Detroit Lions, who are currently. Two and six. They're struggling. I know they, they, they're they coming off a win, so that's good. Um, but since you are the expert on the Detroit Lions, I want to know, how are you feeling about this team at the halfway point? Where are some points of optimism? And maybe conversely, what are some areas that maybe you're still concerned about? You know, a team that's coming off of, uh, you know, drafting pretty high last year, maybe looking like they're going to be drafting high again this year. Where, where, are, you, where are you at with Detroit? So we all, including myself, got a little bit over our skis thanks to Hard Knocks. Hard Knocks got everyone fired up. It was easy to believe in that team. Some people were talking about them as a wild card potential. I still maintained, though, that they were a their, – their over-under was set at six and a half. They can very well still get to that seven wins, and that would definitely be a success. But sure. if they don't make it there – The draft pick is just a little bit higher. They've got five picks in the top 65 next year, thanks to the Los Angeles Rams and the Minnesota Vikings and their own picks as well. And they're starting to build. Their draft picks are looking pretty good to this point. Aiden Hutchinson is the top rookie edge rusher so far this season. He's been inconsistent, but he still flashed enough of that elite and play that it's promising. You've got a sixth-round linebacker starting on day one in Malcolm Rodriguez. You've got Kirby Joseph coming off the NFC Player of the Week, picking up, picking off, sorry, Aaron Rodgers twice. So there's a lot building in Detroit, and the fact that they haven't quit on Dan Campbell despite the record is a fantastic sign because Glover and I have been talking all, all season. If the locker room quits then you might be looking for a new coach. But as long as the locker room still believes in Dan Campbell, he's going to be around for next year and he should be. Yeah. So I want, you mentioned the over under on, you know, six and a half wins, looking at the rest of their schedule, they've got, they're going to the bears, you know, coming up, you've got the bears. Um, And right now Chicago does look like they're maybe on, you know, the ascendancy. 
Um, but that still seems like a winnable game. Uh, you got to go on the road to the Giants. That's going to be a tough one. Got the Bills coming in. So, I, you know, probably by then you got Josh Allen healthy again. The Jaguars at home, I, that feels almost like, I don't want to say a lock, but that's a must win for Detroit. Yeah. Uh, you got the Vikings coming in at home. That would be a great upset. Really show, hey, let's, you know, let's let's win this one, uh, you know, over our former teammate Hawkinson, maybe. You got the Jets on the road. Panthers on the road. I mean, maybe that Panthers won by then. Maybe by then they're they're mailing it in for draft picks. Who knows? Uh, you got the Bears coming in for the last or the last home game, and then the Packers on the road. So there do there seems like there's a few winnable games in there. There's going to be some games where definitely you know playing Buffalo or or um, you know where there was a couple others I think that looked a little tough or the Giants, excuse me. But yeah, I think six seven wins is doable. And like you said, as long as they're not quitting on the on the team or quitting on the coach, there's room for optimism at least. And you also mentioned the draft pick situation. There's a chance, there's a real world where Detroit has two top five, eight, ten picks because the Rams are so bad. You know, yeah. I mean, and that's, I mean, that could be a huge war chest to build from. You still haven't seen Jamison Williams either, so... Uh, who knows? I mean, this there's a lot to be optimistic about. So I'm I'm happy I'm happy that uh, to hear things are you know on the bright side of things for Detroit. So we're going to take a quick break uh, to hear from our other show sponsor, Barnana Snacks. All right, so my wonderful sponsors at Barnana Chips were so kind. Uh, to send me a care package with some wonderful snacks and wonderful chips of various kinds, different snacks to try. And I've been saving one for a while that I've been, been dying to try. And it's the organic plantain chips, spicy mango salsa, their kettle cook style chips. So I'm going to do a live uh, first try, a live taste. Uh, and you can get my instant reactions to these chips. I've been dying to try these chips. So here we go. Open up the bag. Give a smell test. Ooh, ooh, I can smell the the sweetness, the, the the spiciness. Okay, here we go. First chip. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I like that a lot. There's the flavor is a little subtle. The spice is kind of subtle, but you can taste the sweetness of the mango right away. But that spicy mango kind of the salsa. Um, kind of creeping up in the back. I can feel the spice in the back of my, the back of my mouth right now. It's really good. Um, it's not overpowering the mango, the sweetness, but the salsa taste together, not overpowering, but a nice kick, you know, um, be good to have a glass of water with these, but I'm not feeling like, oh my God, I absolutely have to rush out and drink a glass of water right now. I like that, that subtle spice, uh, and it combined with the sweetness. So let me give another chip good stuff good stuff so check these out they're barnana spicy mango salsa their kettle style chip it's fantastic i would give it like an 11 out of 10 i don't know is that fair but check it out thanks barnana all right so let's jump back into things you also cover the NFL 
uh, on the fantasy side of things. You do that for a player profiler. You've done some work for important nonsense as well. So I'm curious, you know, I play fantasy as well. It is sometimes the bane of my existence. Like I love it some days then I hate it other days, but I'm curious in your opinion, who are your biggest fantasy disappointments thus far in the season? Who are the players you're like, oh my gosh, I wish I hadn't drafted this person or Maybe you wish you didn't suggest other people drafting him. Who are some of those that are kind of high on that list for you? Well, I wasn't completely out on him, but Najee Harris has to be, or sorry, I wasn't in on Najee Harris, but Najee Harris has to be the biggest disappointment so far this year. He is was a first round pick in fantasy drafts. And when you look at the players that were going around him, because you can say Jonathan Taylor, but in hindsight, you're taking Jonathan Taylor at the 101, 102, no matter what. Injuries happen. We are not going to say Jonathan Taylor has been a disappointment because of the injuries, even if he has been disappointing. Disappointing, not disappointment. Najee Harris, though, you were drafting him over Joe Mixon, who just scored five touchdowns last week. You were drafting him in the same realm of Justin Jefferson and Cooper Cup and Derrick Henry and all Stephon Diggs, Gavante Adams, all who have just absolutely kicked the door in on Najee Harris. What a surprise that the running back on behind one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL with a rookie quarterback isn't playing well. <laughs> yeah, as someone who took Najee Harris, I, I believe in two first drafts in the first round, I am I can definitely agree with you there. And and these are PPR leagues too, where I was really hoping, hey, bad offensive line, maybe Najee can make it up with some PPR points, but he's been disappointing there too. And just, you know, that whole Steelers uh, team in general has been, has been quite disappointing. So uh, I'm not surprised that that's who you brought up. Uh, speaking of disappointments, let's, let's, this will be a nice transition. Let's talk about the 2021 NFL QB class. In 2021, it was being praised potentially as the, you know, one of the best quarterback classes, uh, you know, ever. But now we're starting to see maybe, you know, maybe we, we were we were too quick to anoint some of these guys. So I'm curious from your perspective, do you think this class is overrated? And also, are we starting to figure out that Justin Fields is the best member of this class? Like, which is totally the opposite of what a lot of us thought at the beginning of the season or maybe even like a few weeks ago. Yes, Justin Fields is the best quarterback of the 2021 NFL draft. His physical tools and the fact that they're actually using them correctly, finally, setting career highs in designed runs in multiple weeks because they're actually using him like the Cam smaller, but more committed Cam Newton that he is. So Justin Fields is the best quarterback from this class. Trevor Lawrence, I do think, is going to be fine. He's up, he's down, but he's a second-year quarterback. He's really a rookie quarterback when it comes to professional NFL play because Urban Meyer, was that's not a rookie year. That's not professional NFL play. No. So he'll be fine. He is overrated a smidge, but he'll be fine. Mac Jones, I also think, will be fine. He makes great decisions, and that will always help. Seems as though he's settled in a little bit. But Zach Wilson, not – he's the next Mitch Trubisky. Wow. That's, that's that's where we're at at this point. He is Mark Sanchez. He is Mitch Trubisky. They are winning in spite of Zach Wilson. They are not winning because of Zach Wilson. And Trey Lance – we don't know what is there to say. Yeah. So ultimately the, the class is 
probably a smidge overrated compared to what we thought last year, but really the only out and out no is Zach Wilson. We got a maybe in Trey Lance and then three others that nah, it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, the jury is still out, you know, as a few of those players. I think there's a lot of potential there. You know, there was some controversy with Mac Jones a few weeks ago. It looked like maybe we'd have a little bit of, you know, battle between Bailey Zappi and Mac Jones. But I think that that's starting to feel settled. Although I say, you know, it's it's funny you mentioned the uh, Zach Wilson play. I got to work for PFF. I was working the uh, the, the New England Patriots versus the, the Jets game. And, and both quarterbacks had moments where you're like, oh, my gosh, what are you doing? Uh, I think they both had a pick six in that game, but Mac Jones's was brought back because of a penalty, but it kind of felt like if that was not, there was no penalty there, who knows, maybe we're talking about more quarterback controversy there. Um, Speaking of quarterback classes and quarterback kind of controversy debate, um, are we still sure that Justin Herbert is better than Tua? That was the narrative for quite a while, but honestly, I'm Tua is playing out of his mind and Justin Herbert's fine, but I haven't seen Justin Herbert do something to wow me in a while. Tell tell me what where where are you at with that comparison with Herbert and Tua? Where how should we feel about this? Justin Herbert is more talented than Tua, but Tua is playing better football right now than Justin Herbert. Tua's strength is elite accuracy, pinpoint accuracy, and people will complain, oh well, you know, he underthrew Tyree Kill there. Okay, well, he was scrambling around, and he's Ty- he trusts Tyree Kill. And I've made those jokes, too, at times, but we have to be honest. Tua is elite accurate. The arm strength isn't an issue, but it's not that top end that Justin Herbert has. Unfortunately, though, they won't let him use it in Los Angeles. The Joe Lombardi offense, the offense that ruined Matt Stafford for a couple of years is now ruining Justin Herbert. His average depth of target average depth of target is way down. His he's just checking it's just swing passes over and over again to Austin Eckler, which is great for Eckler, but he isn't taking the chances downfield. He doesn't have Mike Williams, doesn't have Keenan Allen, doesn't have tight end two Donald Parham, doesn't have has had Josh Palmer miss some time. So I still think that Justin Herbert's the more talented quarterback, even if Tua is better in 2022. Is Tyreek Hill the best non-quarterback offensive player in the league right now? Yeah, Tyreek Hill is the offensive player of the year. I I don't want well, the MVP is going to be a quarterback no matter what, right? Sure, sure. I don't want the QB two to just get offensive player of the year just because he's QB two. Right. And Tyreek Hill deserves it he's already over a thousand yards yeah yeah and he has what i think 100 targets he's caught in like 77 of them or something i i mean i may be off by a little bit but his his catch rate his ratio is insane his yardage is insane i mean just and there was what was at least two weeks that he wasn't playing with qb1 he was playing with uh what was it teddy bridgewater or you know whoever or the quarterback skylar thompson i think in one of those games too so I mean, and and the fact that he's able to do it with no matter who the quarterback is is just insane. Uh, maybe the the biggest offseason move of of the of this last you know past offseason. Um, this is kind of a joke question, but kind of not because with both of these guys, I could literally be um, would not be surprised by either one. Um, who's more likely to retire before the season ends? Is it Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady? Before the season ends, oh, if it's before the season ends, it's Rodgers because they're not making the playoffs, my friend. Packers will not make the playoffs. They're sitting at three and six right now. 
Whereas Tom Brady, he's not going to quit because the Bucks are in the worst division in football. And so he's going to have a shot at the playoffs all along. But sure. Rodgers has already mentally quit on his team. He hates his team. Even talking to my sister last night, she's saying, I don't follow football, but even I know Aaron Rodgers hates his team. <laughs> yeah, it definitely, it definitely appears so. I don't know what's what's going on. But I, you know what? I mean, Brady has kind of entered that like Mike Tyson zone where like no matter what he does, I'm not surprised. So like, if we see a story on Monday that said Brady like eloped with a German, you know, mod- supermodel and isn't coming back to America for a while, I wouldn't be surprised by that. But I think you're right. I think Brady has more to play for and more to, you know, still the Bucks could easily be in the playoffs and win that division, it seems like, because nobody really wants it. So it's up for grabs. Um, So far this season, you know, we're halfway through. We've seen two coaches fired. We've seen Matt Rule from the Carolina Panthers and now Frank Reich. Uh, from the Indianapolis Colts have both both lost their jobs definitely don't wish for anybody to lose their jobs but it definitely makes for interesting conversation Um, will we see another coach fired before the end of the year and if so who do you think it is my money would be on Cliff Kingsbury but I don't know what who are you thinking if you had to guess uh, a name I think Cliff Kingsbury will see the season out and then be bought out by a college football team to avoid the the Cardinals having to fire him I think that's going to be the backdoor deal like hey Cliff we know we know you're not the guy we got to move on from you but we're going to let you save face and not tell people you're fired go get a college offer and then then we're all square so I think that's going to happen Nathaniel Hackett of the Broncos he could be one and done if the season continues to be as embarrassing as it has been they've won a couple games lately but Nathaniel Hackett very well could be one and done this year, even if it's not during the season. Wow. Which I thought I thought he was going to be fired because I thought they were going to lose to the Jaguars in London. Any chance the Raiders cut loose with Josh McDaniels? Not during the season, but is there any chance if this keeps going as bad, do you think he could be a one and done? Or is, do you think he'll get another year? I think he will get another year, but they've got to finish out better than they've played. They sure. asked the Raiders about it and they said we are not going to panic we have a plan in place we're happy with how the first three quarters of the games have gone so we believe that we're headed in the right direction we'll see if that's true at the end of the year because the Colts also said that Frank Reich was safe for the rest of the year yeah 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 at this point yeah nobody is uh nobody is safe so what I think is really interesting is just how, you know, the season has been all over the place, um, you know, in a lot of ways. But I'm curious, you know, in your opinion, who has the biggest win so far this year? Is it Buffalo winning in Kansas City? Is it the Jets last week beating the Bills? Is there any other candidate you would say for maybe for best win so far? I think you can throw in the Jets beating the Dolphins as well. Granted, they Ooh. didn't have Tua, but the fact that the Jets are they lost to the Patriots, I suppose, but they were or they're two and one in the division right yeah. now. That is absolutely massive. So I don't want to underrate that win, even if it was against Skylar Thompson. Yeah, that's true. The the Jets, yeah. I mean, it's they're, they're just sneaky. Like you said, they're kind of playing, they're winning in spite of Zach Wilson, but here they are. Uh, you know, it seemed like a foregone conclusion that the Buffalo Bills would just walk away with that division, the AFC East, which seems like the most competitive division in the league when you're when your worst team is 500 i mean that's incredible to me 
um, you know, that with the Patriots at four and four, but then you have the Jets who are just quietly nipping at the hills of the of the heels of the Buffalo Bills. I don't think they'll pull it out and actually win the division, but I think they'll at least keep it interesting and make the Bills uh, really fight it out. So we talked about this team, the Bengals, earlier, you know, to start the podcast. Right now, you know, they're five and four at the midway point. Um, you know, even last year, they were kind of at that, you know, a little over 500 at the midway point. And obviously, the Bengals went on to make a deep playoff run only to lose in the Super Bowl, a very close game to the uh, to the to the Los Angeles Rams right now. Maybe maybe let's not talk about the Bengals, but maybe is there another team, which team or teams that maybe they're not looking hot right now, but could make a Bengals kind of Bengals esque run to close out the season? I have a few candidates in mind, but maybe you have some other teams in mind as well. The Patriots are four and four. The Browns are three and five, and they're going to get Deshaun Watson back soon. We have the Commanders at four and five. Uh, I was going to say the Packers, but you already wrote them off. So let's not talk about the Packers. You got the Saints at three and five. The Panthers just won again last night at three and six. Is there anyone else maybe I'm missing, or is there any team from that list that you could possibly see making a potential push in the second half of the season to make the playoffs? Patriots are probably the most likely considering that the AFC is pretty close still. Cause they're at five and four. That's well, five one four, game. behind. Yeah. They're one game behind the chargers at five and three. So they very well could be in the playoffs after this weekend, depending on if they win and the chargers lose. But I don't know if that's going to happen. Seeing four teams from the AFC East in the playoffs would be wild. I'm going to go with a dark horse here. Chicago Bears at three and six. Oh, wow. The way Justin Fields has played this year, they could go on a run. And with the 49ers in the playoffs at four and four right now, they're only a game out of the playoffs. That, okay. I, I was not expecting that. The Bears, <laughs> yeah. that And the NFC, kind of the opposite problem, the AFC. It's a little wide open. So I don't. I think unless you're... You know, I'm looking at I'm looking at the standings right now. Um, you know, I mean, if you've got three or four wins at this point in the NFC, I mean, who knows? I mean, you could you could very easily be uh, could be still be in it. So that's kind of, you know, one of my one of my next sort of, you know, big picture questions about the NFL this season. Um, in your opinion, you know, what teams can we start? Can we already cross off from playoff contention? I mean, are, are, it looks like, you know, Houston, Pittsburgh and Vegas maybe Detroit are the are the four teams that you know we probably for sure can cross off as they probably don't have much of a chance for making the playoffs are there any other teams that you would add to that who are you know really should be playing for next year or thinking about next season honestly pretty much everyone in the AFC that's not already five and four Colts are three five and one they're actually in first out of the non five and four AFC teams and the Colts aren't winning in it the Colts stink they're a bad team. Sam Ellinger is not an NFL quarterback. Maybe if they go back to Matt Ryan, some magic could happen, but no. Colts are done. Browns probably can't overcome even when Deshaun Watson comes back, but I won't fully write them off. Broncos I'm writing off. Jaguars I'm writing off. Raiders I'm writing off. Steelers I'm writing off. Texans I'm writing off. And in the NFC, I'm writing off the Packers and the Saints for sure, and the Cardinals and the Panthers and the Lions. Okay. Not writing off the Falcons yet because they're four and six still. They're only two. Well, 
They might be at one game out of playoffs after this weekend. And the Commanders, they could actually be in the playoffs if the Commanders win on Sunday and the San Francisco 49ers lose. The sneaky, the sneaky Commodores slash Commanders slash Condoms, whatever you want to call them. I mean, they're a mess, but somehow the team is just hanging on and and fighting. You got got Heineke out there uh, just, just slinging it. I love it. Um, and it's, it's crazy to me that that division, it's the two East divisions are just absolutely loaded. I think if you look at total wins, AFC East has number one with total wins. And I think the NFC East has is two, you know, closely behind. So it is, it is quite the interesting season. Um, you just mentioned a bunch of teams that are, you know, kind of out of it. Um, I guess, you know, we should start thinking about or start discussing, uh, potentially, you know, who would be the number one pick in the draft. So, depending on who gets the number one pick, who do you think right now would be, uh, would go number one? I guess it all depends on who gets the pick, but my guess is whoever gets number one is probably going to take a quarterback. All that there, there may be, you know, other players in contention like Will Anderson from Alabama. But right now, just from your perspective, who do you think would be the number one pick? I think you got to lock in a quarterback, especially when you look at the teams competing for the first overall pick. The Lions would be taking a quarterback. The Panthers would be taking a quarterback. The Raiders, I don't know if the Raiders would take a quarterback. The Steelers wouldn't either. That could be a case where Will Anderson gets taken, but the Texans are also taking a QB. So, And the Colts, if they end up bottoming out too, they would take a QB as well. So sure. it's going to be Bryce Young or CJ Stroud more than likely with Will Levis and Hendon Hooker as dark horses based on the traits that we've seen. But I don't think they're in the same category as Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. Okay. Are you, would, are, would you be excited about <laughs> Bryce Young being reunited with Jamison Williams in Detroit? Yeah, that oh. is what I am absolutely hoping for. I want him much over CJ Stroud because of the mo- mobility. I understand that Bryce Young's a little bit small, a little bit slight, but CJ Stroud just too immobile for my taste when it comes to those two. All right. There you go. You heard it here first. Um, so, we're kind of wrapping things up. I just have a, you know, a couple of questions to wrap things up. Uh, what are your, any, you can go any way you want with this. What are your uh, biggest predictions for the second half of the NFL season? Any teams you're really high on or, or players you, you think are going to break out or any way you want to go with this? Seahawks are going to win the division and a playoff game. Yes. I yes. think, uh, I think that's what we'll, we'll go for that one. And, I've already said that the Packers are going to miss the playoffs. I've I've said most of my future predictions just in off-the-hand remarks. Colts are going to bottom out. Packers stink. I think we're going to go with that. Seahawks are going to win the division and a playoff game. Oh, I love it. That makes that makes me so happy to hear that. And I I think I think it's a very realistic possibility. I think getting a home game and once they have a home game, a home playoff game, I mean it, you know, everything As- it's as things stand right now, they would be hosting the Giants, who they oh. just beat at home. Yes, please give me Daniel Jones at home. <laughs> give me Daniel Jones. I want that so bad. Uh, I know he's playing better, but I, at some point, I feel like he would turn back into a pumpkin, and uh, and the Seahawks could win that one. I, I would take I would take Daniel Jones all day. All right. Uh, so besides the NFL, you know. Uh, what are you watching, reading, listening to these days? Or is it all football right now that's got your attention? It is probably 90, 95% football during the season. It's a lot of news updates, a lot of uh, 
listening to podcasts and stuff. But I did just finish season two of Reservation Dogs. Was also very much enjoyed uh, your show. We're talking to uh, Mike Bone and Funny Bone. That's probably the most recent show that I watched. I also watched Gaslit, which was about uh, Watergate. That was a really good one as well. Ooh. It's Ooh. Uh, ab- about um, the campaign manager for Nixon and his wife talking to the press, and they completely gaslight her into thinking she's crazy and that Watergate didn't happen. Oh my! Very goodness. interesting. Where did you Where did you watch this on? How have I not heard about this? It sounds amazing. Uh, it's a 2022 movie or miniseries, so that's probably why. I can't remember ah. what I watched it on. I'll have to get back to you. But Sean Penn's in it. Oh. And Julia Gardner. I'm sold. Like, I, I don't yeah. need much else. Like, that's all I needed to hear. That's fantastic. Okay. I love it. Love getting these suggestions. Um, Kind of wrapping things up, where can listeners of Knowledge Brews Supreme find all of your amazing work when it comes to football content, fantasy, or otherwise? You can find my, me on the socials for as long as Twitter still exists. I'm not sure how long that'll be <laughs> a case, but you can find me on Twitter at Javanaugh87. You can find me seven days a week at 7 p.m. Eastern on Player Profiler today on the Player Profiler YouTube channel and the Facebook and the at Profiler underscore NFL Twitter account. And also you can find my tweets at the Profile underscore NFL Twitter account at roto underworld and just all of the fine work over at important nonsense lots of fun stuff going on happy to have happy to be able to come back on the show john really appreciate it of course and so we'll have to have you back on maybe when the season wraps up maybe when we have some awards maybe we can do some awards you know to hand out for the season and uh, chat about this wonderful season when we have the full thing under our belt so thank you again to jack cavanaugh from important nonsense from player profiles from believe in lions podcast all of the wonderful things he's doing. I'm going to put links in the show notes so you can find Jack and hear all the great things he has to say. This makes episode 53 of Knowledge Brews Supreme. I am your host, Dr. John Chansey, and my goal is to reach 100 episodes, and that means I'm only 47 away from that goal. Thank you for listening today. Please share, subscribe, and review. Be good. Be safe. Peace out. Thank you.